0: I guess today is Biri Amiel. Biri is the co-founder and CEO of Continue AI. Set up between New York and Tel Aviv, Continue AI is a provider of a sustainability intelligence platform that enables Fortune 500 organizations to build roadmaps and provide recommended actions to empower them to make data-driven decisions to achieve their sustainability goals. What does that mean? I guess the context here is that The use of ESG frameworks has rapidly gained momentum in helping companies manage sustainability issues. However, there is way too much data to process, both internally and externally, and companies also lack the technology that makes sense of this data to drive informed decisions. There's also a gap in the knowledge about how you bring change towards more sustainability within large companies. And those large corporations end up relying on consultants who provide advice on how to change, but in a way that is not very scalable. And that's where Continue AI comes in. They aim to change this by analyzing millions of public data points to deliver concrete insights that provide real action plans that leaders can then translate across their organizations to achieve sustainability goals down at the business unit action level. That's what we dive into today. we will also talk about what sustainability and ESG mean and get Beery's experience on whether ESG frameworks can be effective at bringing the change that's required to fix our relationship with the planet. Continue AI recently raised a $5.7 million seed funding round, and it was led by Grove Ventures, Maple Capital, with participation from Ride Ventures, Liquid2, and Kindergarten Ventures. With multiple previous experiences at hyper growth startups, Biri and his co founders, Alan and Yonatan, started Continue AI in 2021. I hope you enjoy my discussion with Biri Amiel. Hello and welcome, everyone. I'm Nathan Pomart, and this is Luz, the Climate Tech Podcast. Every week, we interview a founder and explore the stories, ideas, innovations, and businesses behind some of the most inspiring climate tech companies that have a tangible positive impact on our planet. This show is designed to help you learn, instigate optimism, and inspire further action towards addressing the climate change challenge that we face as a global community. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or investor interested in learning more about the climate tech space and how you can play a part in it, this show is for you. So, Biri, I'm very excited to have this conversation today with you. Uh, The topic of helping organizations make sense of the data around their footprint around the sustainability trajectory is is clearly fundamental to to enabling this transition to a a more sustainable relationship with the planet. And at the same time, this is a term that can have so many different meanings, uh, and ESG has received its fair share of criticism from inside and outside the the climate tech uh, bubbles. So I think it will be interesting to, to dive into Um, the different sort of uh, notions behind it and and where Continue AI comes in. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. So let's start with um, your journey and how you ended up starting Continue AI. Yeah, so um, me and
1: my two co-founders, alone and Yonatan, um, went through a bit of an ideation period, really trying to identify problems that really had, one, you know, quite a big impact on kind of the, the world around us. And the other is really challenging data problems. Um, we worked together at a previous startup called Segmento where, uh, you know, was the CTO and co-founder alone led the data science team. I was more on the business side that developed big data products for large retailers. And so we had a lot of expertise on really organizing tons of data that's out there on the web and building uh, products around it. And so we wanted to take that those skills and that experience and really apply it to a field that spoke to us. And so under uh, our exploration, we identified sustainability as, you know, one of the larger, more pressing problems that we have around data. Um, and so after, you know, working with some of our investors and and sp- speaking to a bunch of customers, we really identified that there's quite a need here and a ton of data and really a data story that's just beginning as companies begin to actually be, uh record and and develop kind of their data capabilities around everything sustainability
0: and so let's dive into the the feedback that you that you heard from customers up to this point how, how does the need for a software like continue AI express itself from the organizations that you that you work with you know, where does it come from in the organization um, and and what are the key pain points around Let's say data for sustainability measurement that you perceive from your from your customers today. Yeah, so
1: you know when when I think about our key customers, which are generally uh, enterprise companies, Fortune 500 companies, um, that are typically you know at least one to two years into their sustainability journey and really trying to professionalize their sustainability or ESG practice. There's two key problems that we hear about. One is the internal data problem, internal data collection. What's my scope one? What's my scope two? How do I streamline the collection of all of it? But then this, and, and I think, by the way, there's quite a few solutions that are doing that today. But then the other problem is really, how do I make sense of what are the data points that I need to measure? How do I measure them? How do I set targets around these? How do I actually implement best practices into my organization into my business units how do i bring sustainability knowledge and expectations and measure the impact of what we're doing from a sustainability and esg perspective on the outside world into my organization and be able to make data-driven decisions around it and so when we went through that exploration period that problem set seemed to be quite unsolved Um, we saw some of the larger companies doing it manually internally in trying to gather a bunch of data from investors, from peers, um, from a bunch of disaggregate sources and really trying to put various decision-making frameworks on top of it. And so um, for us, once we understood that, we decided that really the mission for us as a company is organize the world's sustainability data and really having a key focus, especially initially, on data that's sitting external to the company rather than the internal data management uh, problems that are quite pressing, but, you know, we felt that there's quite a need on the external data as well.
0: Sustainability can be term that can be used in, 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 in many different ways. So for you today, what do you see as the key categories of data within the sustainability data landscape that you help your, your customers track?
1: Yeah. So I think it's quite different for each organization. When we think about what sustainability is, I think the key way that we like to talk about it is developing resiliency, resiliency to change that might not impact the business today, but certainly will in the future. So whether it's the energy transition and everything that has to do around that from carbon footprint to uh, renewables, to the social factors and how companies interact with their employees, their suppliers, you know, their customers. And so it really depends on the customer and that's some of the problems that we help them figure out is per my industry, per my peer group, what are the most important issues, not just at a topic level, but down to really uh, the KPI, the indicator, the, the issue. And so having kind of a pulse on the emerging trends and something I think all companies need to keep an eye on, because. This data is dynamic, it's moving, right? Sustainability is moving. It's about adapting to change, being resilient. And so it's a much more living and breathing thing than just, you know, there's certainly GHG emissions, but I think it's much, much broader than
0: that. So continue AI helps companies track not only GHG emissions, but also a number of other potentially more industry specific indicators. Exactly. I mean, if you're looking across each
1: industry, you know, you've got, you know, anywhere from 50 to 60 KPIs that companies are tracking. And, and when you get down to the more detailed nuances of reporting, you've got six to 700 indicators that can be included uh, as part of the sustainability reporting exercise. And so that's a lot of data. Right. And it's a lot of data that companies need to become experts on. And so we help them solve that by really being able to analyze and understand what are those indicators how to report on them, and really how they're tracking across each of those indicators
0: versus their industry. What do you mean when you say that you you focus at the moment on the external data sources? What would be some examples of external data sources that feed into the sustainability assessment of a company, and where where do you come in?
1: When you look at what's out there today, you know the the key sources are can be anywhere from the sustainability reports. Um, now you're seeing a lot of that data leak into the financial reports. You're seeing data that's, you know, on the policies of of the different websites that companies are, are pushing out. That's really tr- the company trying to express to their stakeholders the status of their sustainability efforts, so they can begin to actually understand what they're. Resiliency and and efforts look like. And so that's a lot of the data that we sit on today, but that data is also now beginning to come across the value chain, right? Coming from uh, suppliers, right? Coming from investors about what kind of information that they want to see, what are the emerging issues going to begin to come out of regulators as well. So today we're focused on uh, data that's coming out of publicly available, publicly traded companies, but as those data streams begin to fortify themselves around other companies get down the value chain, down the supply chain, you know, we're going to start collecting that data
0: as well. And so data coming from, let's say, publicly, public companies means that you would extract data published by a company that is, let's say, not your customer and use it to feed back into your your customer to serve as benchmarks, for example, or or reference points? Yeah, or...
1: That, that, that's one use case. You know, really the way we view sustainability as a whole is, it's one big experiment, right? All the different solutions that we're seeing around, for example, carbon capture, they're just being developed today. Companies are taking quite ambitious goals and trying to figure out what they need to do to, to achieve them. And so as companies begin to tell the stories, there's a ton of value in a lot of the best practices and technologies that they're using. And so by actually taking all of the different sustainability data that's out there Giving those benchmarks, but actually getting much more detailed into best practices and insights, we're actually able to help p- companies actually develop business unit level action plans about what each business unit should be doing to actually help them achieve their goals.
0: You mentioned earlier that that today uh, a lot of this process is is done manually. Could you share your your perspective on in in more details how those you know Fortune five hundred companies do today? How do they organize themselves? Internally, uh, potentially also with external consultants, to produce the set of indicators for for the the external stakeholders about about their sustainability situation.
1: Yeah, I um, so last week I was at uh, the Reuters Sustainability Reporting Conference in Brooklyn and got a chance to speak to several of our customers. And the term that I heard over and over again is, you know, collecting internal data can be like pulling teeth. And I heard that multiple times. And you know, when you look at what that process looks like. It, 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 you can understand why because you know the the requirements are so arduous around the number of data points that are needed, the process, you know, the the assurance requirements. It's hard. It's hard for companies that don't have processes around it, automations. So, getting and educating internal teams around what that data is, why it's important, especially companies that are earlier on their journey, is challenging. I think you know the other side of it too is. What data do we actually need? What does that data look like? Um, what should we be measuring? How should we be measuring? It's kind of the other side of it. So those two together really is what makes up the um, you know sustainability programs within most companies
0: today. Uh, what are the key technological challenges that within within your organization you are looking to crack today to take your your product solution to the to the next level? So I think, you know, from a
1: technology perspective, there's three big things. One is how do we make sure that we have all the data that's out there that can be helpful to our customers? So always identifying new data sources that can be useful. The second is actually um, standardizing that data, right? Because there's, you know, so many different standards, things are quite voluntary. Hopefully that's going to change in a bit with regulation, but companies are kind of disclosing in in different ways, data is out there in different ways. So how do we actually standardize it in a way that we can make useful? And then the third is making it actually helpful for decision-making for companies. And I think that's the most important thing. How can we actually help them get benchmarks, analytics, statistics, um, insights that help them make data-driven decisions about their sustainability strategy? And, And I would say almost, you know, that's kind of, the top of the pyramid because the other two are kind of key components of that. But that's what ends up being the end goal of, of a lot of the
0: boards today. And, and that's what we enable them to do. Can we zoom a little bit on on, the, on this third point? Because it's, I would imagine, partly a data problem, partly a organization incentive problem and having to arbit- arbitrage between different objectives that, that may not um, all pull you in the same direction. So, How do you help them bridge the gap between measurement and action with technology today?
1: Yeah, so we do it in a couple ways. I think the most practical way that we do that is, one, we help them understand really what are the topics and gaps that are the most meaningful to their industry. That's kind of the the higher level view. But then once you actually identify the areas that a company needs to strengthen its resiliency and sustainability processes around, we actually take all kind of the data and best practices and insights from that industry and build playbooks around that. And we do that because we've essentially organized a ton of sustainability data uh, that's coming out of the companies into these action plans and playbooks. And so a company can identify its gaps and then actually build a roadmap, an action plan that they can deliver down to a business unit that provides best practices, examples, and actually tactically help it bridge the gaps that it has in its sustainability program. And this can be anywhere from disclosures they're missing to much longer implementations of processes and initiatives. Um, for example, GHG reductions, right? Uh, different programs that can be implemented to um, to better support their employees or their suppliers. But how do we actually shed a light on that and show light of what's happening in the industry? And I think that's a beautiful thing of what ESG's done. It's actually... Forced companies to disclose a lot of really insightful business practices. What does the inside of our business looks like? Look like.
0: Okay, so I think it kind of clicked in my head a little bit, uh, and that's that's a part that I had not appreciated up until now. So, if I sort of played back to you uh, to make to underst- to make sure I understood, so you you let's say you sc- you screen hundreds thousands of public companies disclosures on. Their sustainability uh, both situation and and how they got there and then you're able to play that back to other companies your customers to show them how they could bridge the gap by highlighting best practices or as you said playbooks saying this is what other companies have done uh, you could follow the same the same trajectory is that a fair kind of yeah, that summary of. Yeah, that definitely is. That's kind of the
1: most tactical level of it. Um, and and yeah. one of the most useful, right? Especially for a company that's kind of earlier on in their journey and trying to understand what they do. And I think one of the biggest challenges, too, is showing to the different business units hey, this is what's going on in our industry. You know, we should be thinking and talking about this and, and doing these things. The other and the more kind yeah. of strategic level of that is how do we identify the areas that are material to us in a data-driven way so that we can really, you know, with a limited amount of resources, focus on the things that matter most to our industry, to our peers, to our investors, to all of our stakeholders. And so we've essentially developed a data-driven framework to help them do that as well. Um, so the process typically starts kind of at the high level and then zooms in down to the business unit level.
0: And that's that's a nice transition to the question around how does your typical conversation go with, a, mm-hmm. with the prospect that then becomes a customer, which is a good sort of way to understand how an organization wakes up uh, and upgrades its sustainability capability. So can you tell us a bit about, you know, how you observe your customers or sort of become more and more uh, aware and, and advance in terms of their sustainability capability and, and, and through that, um, working with you more closely. Yeah, definitely. So the way we kind of have categorized
1: the sustainability journey for, for companies is, you know, a lot of the companies that are getting started today, they typically hire a consultant, uh, to help them guide their strategy and, and figure out really what does ESG, what does, should ESG look like for us? Typically. Once that happens, you know they'll set some goals, identify some material topics. But then after a couple of years, that process gets quite big, quite arduous. The targets need to be hit, and so at that point, uh, usually two to three years into the journey, a company will hire a sustainability or an ESG manager to to really manage that process internally and begin to professionalize that. Typically, that's the point where we start engaging with customers, where they're trying to build and develop the knowledge and tools. To develop an in-house sustainability practice, ESG practice, um, and so a lot of times that also happens. Kind of, they've got kind of the yearly cycle that's based around some of the reporting requirements as well. But that's usually when we start engaging with customers when they're trying to figure out what their uh, technology stack should look like
0: from a sustainability perspective. And what is your view on if you look at the the pool of companies that could be, uh, you know, your let's say addressable market? what is the percentage that is at the stage where where they've hired an ESG manager and therefore they are sort of mature to have a conversation with with you and the percentage that is still to get to that point
1: yeah so i think it's definitely in the early days right i think we're just just getting started and and scratching the fir- surface you're seeing there's you know the large publicly traded companies that have been doing it you know for for a little while now um, and I think with the impending regulation, you're seeing, you know, CSRD, you're seeing SEC, and that's trickling down to a lot of the supply engagement goals that companies are setting. That's really beginning to trickle down. I think it's, it's a matter of time before we see it, you know, just about everywhere. I think the end goal really should be, though, how do we embed sustainability within each and every business unit? That's kind of the optimal mm-hmm, outcome. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a balance of, of both, I think, as, as we kind of move along that journey.
0: And I think we we've danced around it, but um, I I want to ask you know the I guess the the thorny or the provocative question or um, which is the question around okay what impact does this really have at the end of the day to to kind of um, ramp up your ESG capability and I ask this without you know preconception. But it's fair to say that if you if you if you spend time on LinkedIn, Twitter, or or anywhere talking about climate tech, you have two camps, right? You have those who are firm believers that this will uh, enable change, and those who are very skeptical of, okay, what does EASG really re- really achieve? And so, what is your take on it, and and how does this experience that you are going through with Continue AI? Help you inform your your perspective on this. I imagine you would have you know stories uh, that that are very unique to you and your journey that that maybe shaped your opinion on on this.
1: Yeah, the, there's definitely quite a few. I, I think for us, at the end of the day, this all comes down to companies developing resiliency to change. That that's at the end of the day, I think the core of what the purpose is. I think you know there's what do you
0: mean by that what What do you mean by resiliency to change?
1: yeah, so when you think about, for example, um climate change, right? that is a change that is impacting companies that have uh supply chains in parts of the world that are going to experience drought or you know um hurricanes, and so companies need to be able to assess those potential changes and build tools and frameworks and, and alternatives and, and really rethink how they operate as they think about these changes that might not be as acute to the business as, for example, kind of the recession that we're feeling right now, right? So there's the, the non-financial yeah. issues. Yeah. And so it's about looking more holistically at the non-financial issues that are perhaps a little more long-term and developing technologies, tools, strategies to adapt to them. Now, when you look at that really wide lens, I think you know climate change is a part of that, right? energy transition is is part of that scope, and then social factors, right? How do we make sure our relationship with our employees is has the right rails and frameworks around it? and so from my our perspective on it, again, it comes down to resiliency to enable these companies to adapt change. Now I think the other side of it too is. Because we're so early in this journey of figuring out what ESG actually looks like, what sustainability actually looks like, there's a lot of reporting. And I think a lot of the complaints yeah. are coming around that. And so our hope is to that this goes down, this gets standardized. We can help facilitate some of that and help folks actually focus on what actually matters, right, which is creating
0: change. And so that's our perspective yeah. on it. There is the quote that, you know, you can only improve what you measure. So when you... When you build those those playbooks, you know, scouring through the depth of information available um, online from from public companies to to build those, do you observe that? Do, do you see that? Okay, first the company starts measuring and reporting, and then if you if you track that company over a couple of years, after that you see that they actually introduce more perhaps bigger bolder initiatives to improve their um, their performance on those KPIs that they started reporting on.
1: Yeah, definitely. You're, you're certainly experiencing that, you know, especially in the GHG area, the scope one, scope two. I think what's interesting is actually as we sit on all of this data, one of the things that we're tracking is all of the targets and commitments companies are making. And yeah. what you're seeing is that companies, th- there's two buckets of targets in our perspective. One is hard targets and one is soft targets. Hard targets is, very measurable quantitative targets. For example, we will reduce our carbon emissions by 50% by 2025. Why does that exist? Because companies have developed the capabilities to measure their carbon, their scope one, for example. What you're seeing is the soft commitments are directly correlated to a company's ability to measure that. And so over time, you're starting to see them actually begin to have more and more hard commitments in areas where they, were, they, they didn't give those uh, commitments in, before, as we're seeing more measuring, more instrumentation, more technologies develop and companies feel more confident in their abilities to actually pursue these targets initiatives. So that's kind of one interesting take on the data that we're seeing um, as we look mm. through and track
0: companies. What is the nature of your team today? What kind of key skills do you need to have within your team to, to deliver on that promise?
1: Yeah, so I think there's two uh, two big buckets. One is the technology side, right? It's having a team with a primarily data, data science, data extraction background. Um, a lot of that came from from the founding teams, my two co-founders and, and the teams that they've built. The other is actually bringing in the sustainability and ESG expertise um, to actually help us kind of bridge those two gaps together and take product. But I also think the thing that makes us unique is Because from the founding team, we actually, none of us came from a sustainability background from a product management perspective that forces us to listen and to develop customer empathy. And our entire perspective is firmly shaped by listening to the customers and their problems and building the product around that. And so taking a unique view now, ever since we're adding analysts, ESG analysts, sustainability experts, which adds a layer of expertise to it, but I think it forces us to have a different, a much deeper level of customer empathy because we're forced to, forced to shape our view just by listening and sitting with the customers and asking their perspective and kind of reading between
0: the lines of what they say. Are you focusing on customers on certain geographies or are you are you serving across, uh, you know, US, Europe, maybe others?
1: Yeah, so US and Europe are our primary customer tar- target markets right now. You know, I think that's kind of where ESG is we're seeing sprouts actually uh, in other areas as well, but those are the primary markets we're focused on today.
0: And you recently announced um, a round of seed investment. So congratulations on, on that. Thank you. Uh, what Thank is the, um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big milestone. Um, what What is the plan for deploying these funds? Uh, are you, I'm guessing, planning to increase the size of the team and where, where are the areas where you are going to invest? Yeah, so uh,
1: definitely the goal you know for the next 18 24 months or so is is really uh, accelerate our product development and go to market efforts and so the teams will be staffed accordingly to, to really make sure we kind of spread our reach to, to as many customers in our target markets as possible and continue learning and developing you know the product suite to, to help support them.
0: Jerry, I always ask this question at the end, um, what is the thing that surprised you most since you embarked on this journey? Clearly, probably a lot for you, given that you mentioned you didn't come from an ESG background, but what is the thing that sticks out?
1: I think the thing that surprised me most is really the pace of change in in the space. Uh, you know, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, sustainability is all about managing change, but it's, once you're in it, it's, it's just happening and moving so fast um, from the uh, kind of frameworks and regulations and standards to the technologies that are evolving, you know, to kind of the funding and, and technology and VC and startup landscape to the companies themselves, right? The number of initiatives that they're taking on, the goals that they're setting, it's just moving so incredibly fast that I think, you know, I've been at multiple hypergrowth companies before and and exciting spaces, but this is just a
0: whole, whole new level. That's amazing. That's amazing to hear. And I think it resonates a lot with, you know, other, other guests that I've interviewed in, in other pockets of the climate tech space. So exciting and uh, exciting to have you on the show to, to get to know you and your journey. I, I hope we can catch up again in a few months. You know, we discussed earlier, maybe in person in, in Tel Aviv. Yes. Uh, Be great, and, uh, and in the meantime, um, I'll follow, follow you and, and root for you. So thank you, Beery. Thank you. I appreciate it, Nathan. You can find out more about Continue AI on their website, continueai.com. If you feel inspired by their mission, check out their careers page for their latest job openings. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on your favorite podcast app and stay tuned for more insightful conversations with other inspiring climate tech founders.